Hello and welcome to Sisters Who Stan, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the stories and shows that made us and explores the questions they've left us asking. I'm Emma. And I'm Bridie. Buckle in as we prepare to celebrate the weird and wonderful world of fandom. Today we're going to be delving into Middle Earth. Yes, we're going to be taking a look at The Lord of the Rings, but more specifically, Mr. Frodo Baggins of the Shire. And we'll be asking the question, was Frodo the right man for the job? So Frodo is the hairy-footed protagonist. He's the ring bearer. The chosen one. He's the heart of the trilogy, really. We should probably add a disclaimer that, obviously, Lord of the Rings is such a rich tapestry of work, and there are so many areas that we could talk about. It's going to be really hard just to focus on Frodo for this episode, so... If we go off in various directions, then we apologise now. Yes, and I think it's safe to say that there are many corners of Middle Earth that we are looking forward to exploring. So rest assured that we will definitely be returning to it in future episodes. Mm. So as with Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings was a really formative influence on our early years. I actually can't listen to the music now without having an emotional reaction. Yeah, I know. That soundtrack gives me goosebumps. I remember seeing the first film at the cinema when I was 12. And it actually recently occurred to me, I think the reason I remember it so clearly was because it was the first time I'd seen anything on screen of that scale that could be Mm. classified in the fantasy genre. It felt like real magic. And it was the first time I'd seen that come to life in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a tale of epic proportions. The scope of the story is huge. Like, if you watch all of the extended editions back to back, I think it's about 12 hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, which you could fly to Tokyo in 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but you will have the best time of your life. I think they are categorically my favourite films in the world. They'd be my Desert Island films, I think. Would they? Yeah, definitely. 100%. I just think they have everything. <laughs> What if you could only choose one? Hmm. There's one I know that I find not as fun as the others. Mm. I think I'd choose either The Fellowship of the Ring or The Return of the King. So I think I'd miss out The Two Towers. That's got the speech. Yeah, that's got Sam's speech. Oh, I don't know. I watched a YouTube video of the five best speeches in Lord of the Rings and it literally gave me the chills. (laughs) It was Mm. so good. I think it would be so hard to choose because I'd miss having the fellowship all together and, you know, all the hobbits in the first part of the journey. But then I'd really miss those big battles that we get in the later films. Mm. I think I'd have to think about it very carefully. What's your earliest Lord of the Rings memory? So it was probably being at our family friends and their dad was reading the first book to them. And it was the bit where Gandalf catches Sam Gamgee earwigging when he's telling Frodo about the ring. Mm. Well, we did actually meet Gandalf once. We did, yeah. I mean, at the time we met him, he wasn't Gandalf, so we weren't that interested. Well, so we met him when we were really young. I think it was 98. Um, Our dad was in a play with him and we were backstage after the show and everyone was like, this is Ian McKellen, you know, star of the show, very important actor. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, oh yeah, cool, cool. Sorry, just got to get back to my Tamagotchi over there. (laughs) (laughs) However, I do have a genuine memory of him saying to me, wasn't your dad very good? Oh, what a sweet man. But yeah, Lord of the Rings wasn't a thing. Oh, well, it was, but he wasn't Gandalf yet. You know, they actually offered Sean Connery that role. What? Yeah, he was offered $6 million per movie. Do you know why he turned it down? Why? He apparently read the script and was like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Even now, after seeing the movie, he has been quoted as saying, I still don't understand it. That was so brilliant. (laughs) But I mean, why? He would be awful. Sean Connery. Can you imagine? (laughs) 
I wish I just never left. <laughs> <laughs> so do all who have left to see such times. <laughs> Fly, fools. You sound like the Grinch. So there's a lot to love about Frodo Baggins. Oh yeah, so much. He's our hero. When I started doing the research for this episode, I had a slightly different attitude about him, but I've actually come around to a different conclusion to what I thought I would. So I was looking up some of his backstory and I learned a nice thing, which is Frodo's name comes from Froda, which is an old English name and it means wise by experience. I might be pronouncing it wrong. It has an accent on the O. Froda, future child's name right there. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm going to write that down. Hello, Froda. It's really cute. Um, And I think it's apt as well. But yeah, he is Bilbo Baggins' cousin and adoptive heir. Frodo's parents died when he was quite young. Mm, Yeah, did you read the backstory of that? I just read that they were killed in a boating accident. Okay, so... Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) They died from a boating accident and no one's sure exactly what happened. Some people thought maybe the mum had pushed the dad in and then he pulled her in with him. Oh my God, a murder. (laughs) I know, a murder. Well, this is village gossip, so Shire gossip. Oh, brilliant. Gossip. I'm going Sean Connery again. I can't (laughs) shake it. (laughs) This is Irish hairy staying forever. Um, this is Shire, Shire gossip. Okay, all right. But the other bit of gossip was that they thought Frodo's dad was so big that he weighed the boat down. Oh no! I know, which is a bit mean. I, I, I wish everyone would just keep their noses in their own business, you know? Yeah, I know. So Frodo has had a hard upbringing, bless him. Yeah. It's kind of lucky that he had Bilbo, really. Though I suspect the other hobbits gossip about Bilbo a fair bit too, because he's kind of like this old, rich, eccentric guy who, you know, went on adventures and has lots of strange visitors. He's a bit of an outsider, really. I was thinking Mm. about how Bilbo introduces hobbits in the film. Do you remember in the opening when he's at his book and he says, Hobbits have been living and farming in the four farthings of the Shire for many hundreds of years, quite content to ignore and be ignored by the world of the big folk. Middle-earth being, after all, full of strange creatures beyond count. Hobbits must seem of little importance, being neither renowned as great warriors nor counted among the very wise. He goes on to say, Where our hearts truly lie is in peace and quiet and good tilled earth. For all hobbits share a love of things that grow. Mm. And then we get that gorgeous shot of Sam gardening. Oh, so beautiful. (laughs) get emotional actually even just thinking about it. (laughs) But yeah, so Frodo grew up in this environment where his closest relative was not considered your regular hobbit. Yeah. I think we should talk about hobbits a bit. They are my favourite species in Middle Earth. Loving hobbits is obviously a very mainstream and basic fan thing to say. But I wanted to read the way that Tolkien describes them in the book. He says... Hobbits were content to keep to themselves, eat good food, drink good ale, and live quiet, unassuming lives, which I thought sounded dreamy. Yeah. I love that phrase, a quiet, unassuming life. It's Mm. not something that's celebrated. We're surrounded by live every day like it's your last. Oh my God. That kind of inspiration porn flooding our feeds. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when you get those famous people's schedules and they're up at 4am doing yoga and, you know, redrafting their fourth book (laughs) or something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He goes on to say, they have round bellies and have a love of good food, comfort and security. And they have six meals a day when they can get them, which I thought was really cute. Yeah. Pippin going, does he know about second breakfast? Yeah. Well, actually, the more I was reading about hobbits, the more I was thinking, okay, so here's my hot take. Oh, okay. Hobbits are body positive. (laughs) (laughs) Make of that what you will. That's my hot take. I think that's true. Yeah, they love their food and they're not ashamed of it. And they're not ashamed of their cute round bellies either. Lovely round bellies. We're big fans. Yeah. 
They also come of age at 33, which I found very reassuring, which actually means I haven't come of age yet in Hobbit years. Mm. And you're only middle-aged once you get to 50. I think that's true. You come of age when you're 33. That's really nice. I actually have quite a good story. Do you remember that I went to the Hobbit premiere? (gasps) Oh my God. Yes, I had forgotten about that. Well, basically, it was down to you. You somehow got me two tickets. Well, my friend who worked in PR had two last minute tickets. I imagine some celeb had dropped out. But yeah, she very kindly gave them to me. And Emma called me when I was at uni and asked if I wanted to go. Yeah, I was like, I have two tickets. Do you want to go? And you were like, I can't. I'm seeing Lauren. Well, Lauren had travelled up to London to stay with me for the night. And so I couldn't just leave her. There was a legit reason. Yeah. So Lauren's one of my best friends. And she's also a massive Lord of the Rings fan. And we would watch them practically every weekend together. But she'd come up to visit me and was staying over. Yeah. So basically, I was like, you guys take the tickets. Best sister ever. I know. Yeah, I met you near your halls, didn't I? And gave you the goods. Yeah, and I just went straight there from uni. Like, I was not dressed up at all. I literally had holes in my tights. I looked like shit. Oh um, you know, I didn't think I'd be walking down the red carpet that day. <laughs> so we didn't do the full circuit, but we got to walk on it for a bit. And we obviously walked really slowly. Mm. And there were lots of people taking pictures and people were looking at us like, who are they? Was she a hobbit? I mean, it was just, it was very exciting. Um, but anyway, I heard from the crowd someone calling my name. And basically, my boyfriend at the time had been busking in central London, and he'd seen the big group and all the fans and come along to see just a bit of the premiere action. And then he just suddenly saw me on the red carpet with absolutely no context. (laughs) Oh my God, that's amazing. Like like the last time he saw me, I was in London in a cafe and he was like, Bridie, Bridie. Must have just been like, why is she there? Yeah. And I kind of just sort of waved at him and carried on walking. Oh my God. I got this text being like, what the fuck? And I was like, <laughs> I'm just about to watch a movie. Sorry, bye. Oh my God, I can't talk right now. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, I mean, that was one of the best experiences of my life. We got this great snack box and where we were sat, I was literally watching Ian McKellen watching himself as Gandalf. It was too much. Oh my God. Amazing. So Bilbo has his big party for his 111th birthday and then he heads off to Rivendell and he leaves Bag End and the ring to Frodo. From that night, Frodo actually keeps the ring hidden for 17 years. Mm, Yeah, a long time. A really long time. Yeah, and Gandalf goes away, does a bit of research and then he realises it is the one ring. So he goes and tells Frodo and kind of, you know, that's how his adventure begins. Mm. Well, it's interesting because... With hobbits, they seem to be the only species who can actually look after the ring for so long without being drawn to its power. Obviously, they are drawn to it, but there's no one else who could have kept the ring for 17 years. No, and of course, Bilbo's had it for even longer than that. They're, you know, they're an amazing species. I don't think Frodo is as drawn to adventures as Bilbo. I feel Mm. like Frodo... Frodo loves the Shire. Yeah, and I think Frodo could have happily not had an adventure, but not Bilbo. Bilbo needed it. Yeah, he says, I must be the one to go. And then all his pals join him. When I was researching this episode and reading more about Frodo, I read a lot of frustration within the fan community about how he was portrayed in the films versus how he is in the books. And as much as I wholeheartedly adore the films, I think it's okay to acknowledge there are times where Frodo comes off a bit weak and you can often feel like other people are saving him all the time. Mm. So Aragorn, Gandalf, Sam. Yeah, he seems to always be, you know, trying to hand the bloody thing over. <laughs> like even from the beginning when all four hobbits are hiding under that root and the ring wraith mm. is kind of sniffing them out. And from the Dark Riders. Mm. Yeah. In the book, he actually saves himself. Um, oh, 
yeah, he has a dagger in his shoulder, but he makes it across the stream and holds the dagger up to them and says, go back to whence you came and never follow me again. And there are lots of other moments like that where he gets himself out of muddles in the books. I imagine one of the reasons they changed that bit in particular was because they needed Arwen to have a bigger role. They mm. needed an example of a strong female character, which to be honest, that was needed. So I don't really mind that they changed that. Yeah, I mean, they could have cast one of the fellowship as a woman, but you know, they didn't. <laughs> diversity is not the saga's strong point. The cast are overwhelmingly white. I think the lack of diversity in general is probably the most problematic thing about the whole series. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the limits of the imagination of some casting directors never fails mm. to astound, like, astound me. <laughs> Particularly yeah. in the fantasy and sci-fi genre. Yeah. I, this is like something we're really keen to discuss in more detail. And we're going to be exploring in a further episode where we focus on the Fellowship as a whole. So back to Frodo. Do you think there's a moment where he comes into his own for you? Just thinking about his strengths and weaknesses. It's difficult because really Frodo becomes weaker throughout the story. So he offers to go, which is really brave. But then the whole journey is really mentally and physically draining because he's the ring bearer. Mm. And he also just goes on to make some really bad choices like, you know, like trusting Gollum. I mean, even though it kind of works out, it very almost doesn't. Um, mm. And sending Sam away. Obviously not throwing the ring in the fire was a bad choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah, if that's kind of easily forgotten, isn't it? Mm. I think it's interesting because in the books, Frodo becomes a bit more like a prophet. So the mm. ring gives him the power to see the future, which is why he allows Gollum to lead them, even though he knows they'll be double-crossed by him. Yeah. But he also knows that Gollum is the only one capable of getting them to Mordor. So again, maybe another slight disservice in the films. Yeah. I do like how it is in the films, though. Like, it feels more like a team effort. Definitely. I would agree that he does come across a little bit whingy, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. But another thing that is different in the books, and which made me have even more respect for Frodo, was that when they get back to the Shire, in the film, it's all like nothing's happened. But in the books, it's all up in arms, and they have to lead like a rebellion against these kind of mm. Saruman folk. But again, you know, I'm just glad that wasn't the case in the film. Oh, yeah, I did not have the energy for that. <laughs> no one's got the energy for that. I mean, obviously, I've got big love for Frodo, and he does make a lot of really, in, you know, good instinctual decisions. Like, when he leaves the Fellowship, I think that was the right thing to do when it's just him and Sam. Although, actually, he does try and go it alone in that moment. Mm, but Sam doesn't let him. No, I mean, I think to say that Frodo wouldn't have made it without Sam is probably the understatement of the century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't talk about Frodo without talking about Sam and their relationship. There was an interesting thing which I read about Sam's character. Apparently, Tolkien wrote in a letter that Sam Gamgee is indeed a reflection of the English soldier, of the privates and batmen I knew in the 1914 war and recognised as so far superior to myself. Mm, no way, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he says Sam was cocksure and deep down a little conceited, but his conceit had been transformed by his devotion to Frodo. He did not think of himself as heroic or even brave or in any way admirable, except in his service and loyalty to his master. Aww. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we don't know how class works in the Shire, but I've read some commentary about there being a class divide between them. I mean, obviously, he works for Frodo as a, you know, as his gardener, and his dad worked for Bilbo. Like, he calls him Mr. Frodo. Yeah. But then they're also best friends. You know, they go way back. When you think about the most beautiful friendships on screen, Sam and Frodo are probably number one. Yeah. But I suppose having the dynamic of master and servant isn't something you'd associate with a healthy friendship. Yeah, though I think he definitely shares the main role with Frodo. You know, the last lines of the book are from Sam. I mean, Sam is kind of more pivotal to the whole story in a way. I read that some people were like, 
oh, Peter Jackson thinks Aragon is the hero, but it's Frodo. But when I was rewatching it, I don't think that's the case. No. The other thing I was going to say about Frodo and Sam's dynamic was that Frodo has got a bit of the Chosen One vibes going on. Yeah, which makes the friendship a bit difficult. Yeah, that's a tricky dynamic. I mean, you only need to look at the problems it caused Harry and Ron. Mm. But that doesn't seem to actually be the case with Sam and Frodo. Sam's just so totally devoted. Yeah, Sam's not got the ego that Ron has, though. So true. Yeah, it doesn't seem to get in the way. I think it's weird to think that Sam is technically briefly a ring bearer. He does give it back to Frodo, and he's kind of the only one who properly gives the ring back willingly. I think the only reason they really survive is because Sam can cling to hope when Frodo can't. So I've actually been sharing that speech that Sam gives at the end of The Two Towers, particularly at this time. I just, I think it's the most inspiring and moving performance. Mm, It really is. We did try to get permission to play the speech on the podcast for you all, but due to copyright reasons, that was a resounding no. (laughs) Yeah, but we will link to it in the show notes. I think at the start of lockdown, we sent that speech to each other, didn't we? And to some Mm. of our friends. In fact, I think throughout any kind of hard time in my life. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I go back to it. And to the Gandalf speech, you know, so do all who live to see such times. Yes. I read a good piece from a film critic who had never watched Lord of the Rings and who was deciding that they were going to watch it this year for the first time. Mm. And he started off kind of pretty not into it. And then by the end, he was obviously loving it because there's no other sensible conclusion. (laughs) But he talks about in the last film about Sam and Frodo. He says, The Return of the King richly develops the relationship between Sam and Frodo, one of the most unbashedly tender displays of platonic male love I've ever seen in a film. That's so true. It's the platonic male love. The bromance. Bromance, man. Sam and Frodo are the ultimate bromance. They are. But yeah, so what we're saying is Frodo's all very well, but he wouldn't have got anywhere without Sam. Is there anyone other than Frodo that you think could have finished the job? Sam's the only person, I think, because he's so pure. But then maybe Sam, if he was in Frodo's hairy feet, like maybe he would have been rubbish. How do you think you would have coped? Oh, not well. Not well at all. (laughs) No? No, I would have succumbed to world domination very quickly. Yeah, (laughs) I'm actually, I'm not surprised by that. (laughs) I think I would probably really lean into the woe is me. (laughs) You know, like, don't try and carry it for me. It's my burden. Fine, but I want you to know I'm not comfortable. (laughs) I want you all to know how much I'm suffering for you. Yeah, look what I sacrificed. No, don't try and help me. (laughs) I think I'd pull some of that. He is a proper martyr. That is so true. I actually did a quiz on who my BFF in Lord of the Rings would be, and I got Frodo. Oh, really? I'm surprised by that. I know. I was hoping to get Merry or Pippin, to be honest. It was a bit of a strange description, too. It said, you got Frodo. You enjoy working on stories together hanging out with other friends, and just enjoying being alone together, if you know what I mean. What? (laughs) He says, he went to your booth at the market and you struck up a conversation. You'll never fight because he's too sweet to argue about mostly everything. And one does not simply get mad at that face. (laughs) I mean, who writes these things? I'll send you the quiz and you can have a go. Yeah, please do. Well, I've been thinking about Shag Mary Cruz for this episode. Oh, great. Yeah, so my first three are... Aragon, Legolas, and Sam. Mm. If I marry Sam, am I a hobbit? Yes. Are you hobbit-sized? Yes. But no if you go with Aragon or Legolas. I'm going to marry Sam. Mm-hmm. I can't tell who would be more fun on a cruise. I think if it was his downtime, Aragon would have a few drinks and be a bit more fun. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Whereas I think Legolas would just always be going on about what his elf eyes could see. <laughs> and also, you can get drunk with him because he's 
you know, he doesn't really feel booze. I love how getting drunk is non-negotiable on the cruise. Yes, well. <laughs> I would do the same as you. Yeah. Okay, my next three. Saruman, Gollum, and Grima Wormtongue. Oh. Yeah, do you remember him? I told you to take the wizard stuff. Great scene. Rank. Well, I'd marry Saruman. Again, could I, could I make one of the others do my bidding? Can they bring me a cocktail on the cruise? <laughs> well, Grima seems pretty keen to serve. So, you know, and Gollum, actually. Do you know what? I'd go on a cruise with Gollum because if we could break through the Gollum and get to the Smeagol, we might have a nice time. <laughs> Which obviously leaves the unthinkable. You love a fixer-upper. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say. <laughs> Worker-upper. I want to do a Hobbit one for you. Okay. But because I want to include all four Hobbits, I might do an extra category. Love that. So Shag Mary Cruise... Desert island. Desert island. So you, you're, you're stuck on a desert island is the fourth uh, option. Okay, all right, yeah. You might be rescued, you might not. Mm-hmm. So Shag, Mary Cruise, desert island, Frodo, Sam, Mary Pippin. Wow. I mean, I love all of them. It's a great lineup. I'm still going to say marry Sam because mm-hmm. he would be the best husband. Uh, stuck on a desert island. Definitely Mary or Pippin. I think Mary's better than Pippin when the chips are down. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. Okay, stuck on a desert island with Mary. Cruise with Pippin, which would be great. Pippin's there for the fun times. He's a laugh. I like him a lot. I'd check Frodo because I did quite fancy him back in the day. Mm. I was actually watching a clip of Elijah's last day filming as Frodo. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, and they keep making him redo the final take. Yeah, and when he finishes, PJ goes and gives him a hug and he's just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh. Do you know they were going to originally cast Dominic as Frodo? So, Mary. Really? Yeah, PJ had him in mind. He really wanted someone British, but Elijah Wood then sent in his self-tape and he'd, like, perfected his British accent. So, Dominic was demoted to Mary. <laughs> oh, well, Mary is a fantastic part. Mary is a fantastic part and he is perfect for it, so... yeah. Not really a demotion. I did read this one thing about Elijah and all of them, which I really liked, which was on the night that they had their, you know, all of their Oscar wins, Elijah Mm. and some of the others didn't go to the Oscars party. They went to a fan party that had been organised by OneRing.net. No way. Yeah, and they thought that they'd just pop by, but they ended up spending the whole night there. Oh my God. I was like, what a legend. What a hero. I wanted to talk a bit about Frodo's ending how he decides he's been through too much and can't continue. Yeah. It's very sad. It makes him kind of the classic tragic hero in a way. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking about the some wounds are too deep line and Mm. even though it's quite romantic, I was like, oh, no, no, you can recover from anything. Yeah. (laughs) I, um, I wanted to read a bit from the book and it says, there's no real going back. Though I may come to the Shire, it will not be the same, for I shall not be the same. I am wounded with knife, sting and tooth and a long burden. Where shall I find rest? And I mean, maybe with the right therapist. Yeah. (laughs) Surely some CBT could help with that. I mean, he did suffer a lot and maybe it would have been tied up too neatly in a bow if he went back to the Shire and everything was hunky-dory. Yeah. I think there must be something kind of supernatural at work there because Sam went through all of the same things as Frodo with the exception of the connection to the ring. Whereas, you know, if you look at Gollum and what it did to him. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's kind of what he was feeling like on the inside. It's difficult. It definitely wasn't satisfying, though. Mm. I obviously wanted Frodo to kind of grow old and live like Bilbo in the Shire because the whole time he fantasizes about home, it's devastating that he never really goes back. Yeah, that is devastating. 
it does seem like the right thing. It just sucks. Yeah. So was he the right guy for the job? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think what's difficult is that at the very end, once Sam has dragged his bloody body up the fucking side of Mount Doom, (laughs) is that Frodo tries to keep the ring. That's Mm. really hard to ignore. I mean, it's hard to argue either way because he was and he wasn't. He did and he didn't do it. But ultimately, yes. Yes, but with certain conditions. Yes, as long as he is Sam. And Gandalf and Aragorn. He was the right person for that very specific job. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think the job description would be? (laughs) Oh my God. Great question. Uh, Wanted ring bearer. Full time, fixed term. (laughs) Must have strong communication skills. Must be able to work under pressure. (laughs) Microsoft Word proficiency. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, That reminds me of a terrible interview I once had where they asked me what computer programs I was familiar with. And in the heat of the moment, all I could think of was um, I love word. Uh, I think I actually said the words, I love spell check. Oh, oh no. Yeah, I did not get that job. No. You actually have the Lord of the Rings ring, don't you? Yeah, I do. Well, it was part of this little sort of gift package I got. I think I actually kept it in my jewellery box. And when I was living in uni halls, I remember my housemate came in and was kind of just looking around my desk and then he was suddenly like Emma is this the one ring and I was like yes it is it was it was just a plastic toy it's the one ring Emma I mean really we should keep that on the down low (laughs) sure I was thinking about how to round up this episode and I sort of wanted to say that for me Lord of the Rings is kind of about ordinary people doing extraordinary things and you know Frodo's ultimately not a natural hero I read a nice thing from this author, Eugene Lambert, and he talks about Frodo inspiring a character of his and, you know, just of inspiring him. He says, Frodo Baggins is small and not a natural hero, but he's good-hearted and capable of great things if push comes to shove. As a slightly and slight introverted boy growing up in the Midlands, attending a rough-ish school, what's not to like about that? My brother and I weren't the biggest or the strongest or the best at football, to put it mildly. As kids growing up, we all dream of the adult we'll become. I knew I'd never be Aragon, a fearless and mighty warrior, but I could maybe stretch to a Frodo. When Frodo reluctantly declares he must set out on his dangerous quest if he is to save his shire, an impressed Gandalf says to him, my dear Frodo, hobbits really are amazing creatures, and they are amazing, Frodo in particular. Oh, that was lovely. I think that's the perfect way to end this episode. What do you think, listeners? Was Frodo the right man for the job? Could someone else have done it better? We'd love to hear your thoughts and connect with fellow fans. So please feel free to follow us on our socials. We'll leave links to these down below and all the media we've referenced in this episode in the show notes. Also, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to validate us by rating and reviewing us in the charts. It will really help give us the push we need to keep this podcast going. Bye for now. (laughs) 